Hey everyone, welcome back. This is the last episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Smarter Podcast. I'm glad you decided to get smarter about coffee with me on this show. Every Friday during Season 1, Chris O'Brien, founder and operator of Coffee Cycle in Pacific Beach, San Diego, has been educating all of us on the ins and outs of coffee. We've covered fancy drink styles, how water, temperature, time, and grind style impact the flavor of your cup of coffee. And we've had conversations about the flavor wheel, coffee bean processing, tasting flavors, and even a whole episode on advice for the first-time coffee drinker. Along the way, I hope we've helped you appreciate the coffee you've been drinking and maybe even helped you make those morning cups just a little bit better. All season, I've been calling Chris my coffee sensei, and that is 100% true. While there were times I asked him questions I already knew the answer to for the purposes of this show, there was a time when I didn't, and I learned all of that standing behind the coffee bar at his shop, Coffee Cycle. In the early days of Coffee Cycle, we spent a lot of time going back and forth, with him teaching and me learning, albeit slowly, and he isn't wrong. I was never terribly skilled on his original espresso machine. The conversations we had there in the shop aren't that much different from the ones you've heard over the past few months. Today, Chris is going to talk us through some of the terms we've been hearing from roasters. What does it mean when they refer to first, second, or third wave coffee? We're going to find out, and then I turn the floor over to Chris to talk about how he feels about coffee, and why he believes he can use it to make a positive impact, not just on his community, but on an even bigger platform. His passion for his chosen profession, his care for the coffee he serves, and awareness of the community at large really comes through, and I'm glad you're here to listen to it. Be sure to subscribe to the Roast West Coast newsletter with your email at roastwestcoast.com. There you'll get show updates, recaps, and a lot more coffee content, including links to Coffee Cycle and plenty more. I've been using proceeds from the paid subscriptions to provide great coffee to some of the frontline healthcare workers in San Diego County through Chris's shop, Coffee Cycle. And we've also made a donation to help provide aid for hospitality workers who've just been hammered who have just been hammered by the continued yo-yoing the pandemic has put them and their employers in the hospitality industry through this year. I'll continue those efforts for every paid subscription for the foreseeable future. And now, it's time to get coffee smarter one last time this season. And for another cup of coffee. Hello, Chris O'Brien. Welcome to the Roast West Coast podcast. I have some sad news, which is that this is our last getting smarter, getting coffee smarter episode of season one of the Roast West Coast podcast. I've just enjoyed immensely spending this time with you. And I didn't want to make this last week too easy, so I came up with some really difficult questions. Ooh, my favorite. I like the tough ones. It's hard to believe that a whole season has gone by already. I do feel smarter. That'll pass. I'm sure. I'm sure. I need to start planning a season two so we can do this again. So today I want to ask you about something I've been hearing from roasters that I've been talking to on this show. They'll refer to coffee as first wave, second wave, or third wave. And I always smile and nod and pretend that I know what they're talking about, (laughs) but I don't. And I really don't. It's not something that I had learned before. And so I'm asking you to teach me what that means. All right. Well, we can definitely do that. No problem, because you're actually probably familiar with a lot of this stuff already. So that should make it a lot easier. So first wave coffee is real simple. We talked about it on a previous episode. First wave coffee is Maxwell House. It's Folgers, it's U-Ban, it's chock full of nuts, it's diner coffee. You pick the orange handle at the diner or the not orange handle. <laughs> Second wave coffee, we come along. I always thought it was the same coffee in each one. I didn't know that there, I mean, it mattered. 
it sure tastes the same, uh, but it, neither of them tastes great. Uh, second wave is when you're getting a coffee made just to order for you. And this is where my mom gets really lost. She's like, what do you mean there's a shop that actually serves just coffee? And it basically uses an espresso machine to create made-to-order drinks for the customers. You're talking lattes, you're talking cappuccinos, espressos. Then we start throwing flavored syrups in there. So you get a vanilla latte or pumpkin spice latte or peppermint mocha or whatever it is that's basically espresso steamed milk and a flavored syrup whether it's chocolate or vanilla or caramel so now we enter into third wave coffee and back in second wave coffee we didn't talk about it as first wave and second wave there's actually a person who we can attribute the naming of first second and third wave coffee to and her name is trish Rothgeb. And Trish Rothgeb was a pretty big deal in the coffee world even before she came up with this name. And now she owns a coffee shop up in San Francisco and roastery called Wrecking Ball Coffee. And she co-owns it with a guy named Nick Cho, who's also kind of a big deal in coffee. He's a very famous barista. And Trish Rothgeb came up with this nomenclature of third wave coffee because Coffee had really shifted in the early 2000s, going up to like 2010, where all of a sudden we weren't just putting stuff in a blender with milk and sugar. We weren't just adding our house-made mocha syrup to it. Suddenly you were seeing coffees that had farm names on them, and you were seeing tasting notes written on bags of coffee. Instead of it being Mama's Coffee Shop House Blend, all of a sudden you were seeing a house blend next to the Brazil Fazenda Terra Alta and the Costa Rica Finca Corazon and the Ethiopia Kayon Mountain Estate. And it was like, wait a second, I thought Ethiopia coffee was Ethiopia coffee and Costa Rica coffee was Costa Rica coffee and Brazil coffee was Brazil coffee. But Trish realized that all these shops were actually paying more attention to the differences farm to farm And not just the differences farm to farm, but also that people, customers were paying attention to exactly how their coffee tasted. We talked about in another episode how coffee is the most complex tasting beverage in the world, how it has over 800 compounds that a person can detect. Well, I believe you've talked to a roaster that was a former sommelier who used to taste wine professionally. Well, tasting coffee professionally is also now a thing. And it has been for a little while, but it wasn't in the public eye until this third wave coffee came along. And we started to treat coffee more like we were already treating wine. So do we look for how the terroir, the the soil climate and um, rainfall that year impacted the flavor? Do we look at why we want to buy, you know, one farm's coffee in Guatemala over the farm next door? who's doing something differently that we're seeking out. And so those two factors of farm identity and looking at exactly where the coffee comes from and why it impacts the flavor. And the other factor of how does the coffee taste exactly? Can we put flavor science and tasting science into appreciating our cup of coffee? Those are the two factors that differentiate third wave coffee from second wave. So first wave, any kind of cup of coffee, you know, in a can, in a bean, in a ground, in a mug, whatever it is. Second wave, using an espresso machine made just for you, but featuring house blends, syrups added to lattes, 
blenders to make drinks that are, you know, yummy on a hot day, more like a milkshake, but with coffee in it. And then third wave, farm identity and treating coffee like wine, appreciating the nuances of different flavors in coffee and celebrating how a different farmer or producer can impact that flavor of coffee. So that's a really interesting, it's not exactly lined up, but there's kind of a historical record of of how coffee has progressed in the public consciousness. Absolutely. And so you can generally say like at this time in history, we were in first wave coffee, but now we're in, in what we'd call third wave, but you could also be having kind of a first wave, second wave experience simultaneously, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I uh, my shop, I will serve up a vanilla latte, but I try to do it with, you know, a house-made vanilla syrup, a single origin Costa Rica espresso, you know, and uh, micro foam. That's, that's the best that you can get. So you can pull out nuances of flavor, even in a second wave style drink. Yeah. So it is cool how we have access to all of that still today. And, you know, some shops you can get almost all three waves in, uh, in just one experience. Yeah, absolutely. I know in your shop in particular that you make all the drinks to order. So that's something that people kind of learn as they come in. And sometimes it takes a few extra minutes because you're literally crafting it in the moment that they've ordered it. Um, And some of the roasters I've talked to, it's similar in that they don't actually roast a bean until you order that bean. And so whatever you're getting from them, they roasted to your order, which I think was really just kind of blew my mind. Like I knew that there are craft roasters, but I didn't realize that in some cases they're I ordered two pounds, they're going out and roasting two pounds. And those are the beans that I get. Yep. It's really unique. But I wanted to I wanted to kind of finish the season off by asking asking you a personal question, which I hope you don't mind. No. But as somebody who has spent, uh, as you've mentioned previously, you know, half or more of your life in coffee in some capacity, who now has seen the the industry from the side of a customer to a coffee shop worker to a shop owner. Uh, who has worked with roasters, who I know has seen farms, origin farms, where people are getting their their green beans from. What does coffee mean to you as a person? How do you feel about coffee? Is it just a job? Is it something that you do? Obviously, you know a lot about it, and it's. I can hear that you're passionate about it, but how do you feel about coffee? Wow, I, um, I really appreciate that you asked that. Um, coffee, to me is a way to make my daily life make the world a better place. And I know that sounds kind of ridiculous or pretentious or whatever, but I think coffee is really powerful for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I I, I once worked as a bartender briefly in between coffee jobs, of course. And, um, and I always wanted to work as a bartender because I felt like I was already doing so much of that type of work of making people drinks, but I knew that bartenders made more money than baristas. (laughs) But you know, the people on the other side of a bar on the customer side of a bar are a lot less happy than the people on the other side of a cafe bar. And, you know, I only bring that up and that example up because I really love how I can impact people's day and make it better just by being that positive impact for them being, you know, that, uh, that person that listens to them or that cares about them or, you know, tried to make their drink extra good and extra special that day when they were having a rough day, you know, it's really amazing to me how I have the ability and the power to have a positive impact on someone's day every single day that I go to work. 
And then when I learned more about coffee and the third wave that we just finished talking about, I realized that coffee wasn't just about impacting the person in front of me in the cafe, but it was about impacting the lives of a whole global international trade and the lives of people who work in that trade. And coffee is so powerful in that aspect because it is one of the most heavily traded commodities in the world. It's something that people drink in every country all over the world. It's produced in every third world country that is close to the tropics. And there's a reason that it's produced in those countries. And that's a relic of imperialism that is now in a lot of ways become a sort of corporate imperialism. And that we have a lot of uphill work to do in the coffee industry to make lives better for coffee workers and farmers. And so by working in specialty coffee where I work, I get to impact the lives of the people on the other side of the counter from me by giving them that smile or listening to them when they're having a rough day or occasionally just shutting up and letting them, you know, do whatever they need to do. But I also get to impact the lives of people in other countries by making sure that we're providing a product that is sustainably and ethically sourced. Coffee commodity prices reached an all-time low recently uh, within the last year or two. That really should never happen given the way inflation works. It happened a while back and was the impetus for creating fair trade as a program, which is basically like a minimum wage for coffee farmers. And because that sort of capitalist imperialism spills over onto other industries like sugar, you can find fair trade sugar now too, because other industries realized, oh my gosh, we're actually able to have either a positive or negative impact on people's lives. People were starving in the coffee world, um, the coffee producing world, when fair trade was first created. They were getting paid so little for the product that they were making that they were unable to either feed themselves or plant the next year's harvest. That's a decision nobody should ever have to make in a world where we all want to drink this beverage. The United States consumes more coffee every year than any other country in the world. We have a power to make a positive impact with our spending dollars. And the best way to do that in coffee is to get good coffee. So everybody wins. You get better coffee and people get ethically paid for their hard work. And then it incentivizes other people to do the same thing. So what does coffee mean to me? Simple terms, it's a way to make the world a better place. But it's not just about the here and now and the day to day. It's about a broader impact. And you don't even have to think about it. All you have to do is buy a good cup of coffee from a good place. So it's pretty simple to have a positive impact. I don't need to be writing a bunch of postcards and calling a bunch of senators or going out and working at all the soup kitchens in the world. Sure, do that. That's awesome. That's great. But all I have to do is work my job. And all you have to do is go buy a good cup of coffee. I think that's a really beautiful sentiment that it's it's you found a place where you can you can feel the impact and see the impact. I think as somebody who has drunk gallons of coffee in your shops and and is now at home most of the time making my own coffee because of the pandemic, 
coffee isn't just coffee. It, coffee is an opportunity to have an experience. It's an opportunity to interact. And I think we all miss that to some degree. And I think it's one reason why a lot of the roasters we've talked to in the show over the past year, past season rather, in some cases are doing as well or better or are seeing like a really interesting customer response during this this difficult time. And it's because people need those moments in their day. It's how we feel normal is getting that cup of coffee. And, and those communities that we build in places like coffee shops matter, even if we don't realize it, we don't realize it until they're gone. You know, I don't, I didn't realize it that I, you know, I missed seeing, you know, the guy over there who was typing on his computer every time I came in the shop or the smile from the barista or whatever it is, all those little experiences that we lost at the beginning of this pandemic. And we, we've been kind of chipping away at and fighting to get back a little bit as safely as we can is something, something that definitely impacts my day. And to know that shops like yours and roasters like the ones that we've talked to, how passionate they are about trying to create that better, that better life for everyone involved in, in coffee and, and by extension everywhere is, is one of the reasons that I get so excited and passionate about talking to you and, and to everyone about the strength that we're drinking. Thanks, Tron. You're welcome. I, I would say, and, and thank you, thanks to you, Chris, you, you're an incredible coffee. I say coffee sensei, and I truly mean it. You are the, the splinter to, I don't know, what's the Ninja Turtle who's always like getting in trouble and running around. That's the one that I am. <laughs> Raphael, I think, is probably the the angry one or the the one who's always fighting back. But I I always learn something new when we chat, and I always look forward to seeing you. And uh, and now I feel like I have to do a whole another season of Roast West Coast just so we can do this again. Awesome, I'm I'm there for it if you'll have me, and it's really been a real treat. I really appreciate too that you did this for free. I just want to make sure that that's clear that I, you are not getting paid for this. I'm holding out for those freebies from those companies that we mentioned a couple episodes ago. I'm really hoping that that, that really comes through for me. All right. I, I'm going to look up. I'm going to make sure I tag uh, Baratza and Bodum and, <laughs> and uh, Revel in all of these episodes for you. No, uh, it's been great. I'm, I'm happy to do it. And uh, anytime, I, I really love sharing this these times with you. Uh, that's Chris O'Brien. He is the owner of Coffee Cycle in Pacific Beach. And we need to all just bombard him with annoying emails and texts and social media things. So he opens up uh, a place up here in North County. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'll talk to you next season, bud. All right. Take care, Ryan. Thanks for listening to the Roast West Coast podcast and for getting coffee smarter with us today. Coffee is an ever-evolving drink, industry, and community. And I have to wonder, what will the fourth wave of coffee be? I cannot thank Chris enough for the time he took to be on this show all season long, for sharing his knowledge, and just for always indulging my curiosity about coffee. Check out coffee-cycle.com if you'd like to pick up some Coffee Cycle gear or coffee curated by Chris. Or if you're in the San Diego area, set up a pickup, current COVID pandemic rules apply, at his shop in Pacific Beach, San Diego. And don't worry, Chris will make appearances in season two of this show, and if you have things you'd like to learn, give us a shout. You can find this show on social media under the tag at One Wildlife Co. Or sign up for the free Substack newsletter at RoastWestCoast.com and fill out the upcoming listener survey. You may even get a chance to appear on the show. The last episode of the Roast West Coast podcast, Season 1, comes out on Tuesday. It's my conversation with the team from Maria Coffee, including Grayson Adams, Ray J. Solaris, and Joe Bettinger. 
Marea is a specialty subscription service based out of Vista, California, and has created a collaboration roasting program with some pretty major action sports world stars like Danny Way and Kimi Fasani. Joe is also a coffee broker, and we chat about how that impacts the business and allows for some unique relationships. If you're going to just let this podcast keep streaming, you'll hear my conversation from last week with Eric Medina, the founder and head roaster at Libra Coffee out of Oceanside, California. Eric took a unique path from Oceanside to Istanbul to Italy and back on his coffee journey, and it is definitely worth sticking around for. Be sure to tell your coffee-loving friends about this show and encourage them to subscribe wherever you are listening to great podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and even YouTube. Just search for Roast West Coast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating and reviewing this show. It really helps a new program like this one get found by other listeners. And if this is the first time you've listened to our show, episodes with great local founders and roasters, along with a bunch of Coffee Smarter shows, are already out. Be sure to go back and listen to those. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast has been produced and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. In a world that has been a more wild than normal roller coaster for the past year, it is important to remember one thing. Always be sure to drink good coffee.